Today we begin our new sermon series, Open and Unashamed. Open and unashamed before whom? In relation to what? First, the songwriter is open and unashamed in his relationship with God, expressing the whole ray of his emotion. He lays his heart bare. God, search my heart. God, create in me a clean heart. Lord, strengthen me. Keep me safe. Deliver me. Then the songwriter is also transparent regarding his relationship with God before others. He confesses openly that he finds God's word to be a delight. He declares that God is his shepherd, the one who restores his soul. He affirms his complete trust in God and his goodness. Open and unashamed, join us for this heart-shaping journey through the book of Psalms this summer. Good day, family and friends. My name is Brody, and I'm the pastor for high school students here at Willingdon Church. It's my honor to bring the word today. Thanks for letting me join you. As Ray mentioned, this summer, we're moving through the book of Psalms. Many favorite verses come from the Psalms, and these chapters have found their way into poems and songs and posters and coffee mugs, which I don't have with me today. It's easy to pick a favorite verse or a favorite chapter out of the Psalms without considering the context of the book as a whole. As Pastor James pointed out last week, context is the foundation of good, disciplined study. The first two Psalms together really act as the gateway to the whole collection of Psalms. These two are pillars of the book, supporting everything else that comes afterwards. They set the stage for all the gritty emotion contained within these pages. In fact, as soon as we've made it through Psalms 1 and 2, King David immediately launches into a lament, a song of sorrow and surrender in Psalm 3. Nothing is held back in the Psalms, and ultimately the book concludes with five resonating shouts of worship. So as we get started, Let's pray and invite God to speak to our hearts today. Dear Lord, thank you so much that your word is for us, that you've given us your word, and that we can know you through your word. Open our eyes and our hearts today to hear from you and draw us closer to you in love. I pray for this in your most powerful name, Jesus. Amen. I have with me today a picture of a bonsai tree. Thanks, Nicole, from Kids Ministry for printing this out for us. A bonsai tree is a miniature tree that is grown to mimic the shape and scale of a full-size tree. Just like any tree, the bonsai needs a proper source of nourishment to become strong, to produce leaves and fruit, and it requires extra care to get the size just right. It takes careful attention to nurture a beautiful bonsai. A few years ago, my sister spent the summer as a receptionist for my father's accounting firm. And during her time there, she was gifted with a bonsai tree. She affectionately named it Jeeves. However, Jeeves is not like other bonsai trees. And that's because Jeeves is dead. Unfortunately, my sister didn't pay 
proper care to leaves, and her little bonsai tree withered. Which tree do you feel more like today? Beautiful, strong, healthy? Or dry and withered and weak? Actually, Jesus is just straight up dead, and sometimes we feel that way too. When we lack a proper source of life, we end up withered instead of growing strong. If you're a grad, you're about to step into a wider world with more opportunity, more things, more pursuits. We often go through life desperately searching for all sorts of things to fill our heart needs. Without careful attention, we can grow withered and weak instead of strong and full of life. How do we ensure that we are living and growing well? Where's our source of life? How do we live a full and blessed life? How do we avoid becoming leaves? Psalm 1 gives us a refreshing word on where we can find true life and real joy. Through the psalm, God reveals that knowing the Lord is his ultimate blessing for us. In God, we find deep and satisfying life. Let's read Psalm 1 together today and see what God has for us. Again, Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We're introduced right away to a man who is called blessed. There's no indication that this is a specific person in history, so we can place ourselves into his shoes and learn what it means to live a life blessed by God. The psalm begins by telling us what this man is not. He's not someone who walks in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Some of you grew up using wicked as a way to describe something cool. I definitely didn't and I probably just lost some points with my students. Wicked here refers to evil. It's anything that opposes God. The blessed man doesn't give himself to anything that is evil. He doesn't allow himself to be poisoned by things that fly in the face of God. He's diligent to keep himself from acting or speaking in a way that defames his God. Instead, the person who lives a blessed life seeks to know God more and more. Knowing God more leads us to engage with sin less. Notice how the first verse is a bit of a journey. We see that the blessed man doesn't allow himself to engage in any way with vile practices or activities. He must have been aware of wisdom of Proverbs 4 verse 23, which says, Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. 
If we aren't careful and we tolerate little occurrences of sin in our daily rhythms, we risk slowing to a halt and making sin a habit. If we let the habit grow, it becomes a lifestyle. And that isn't too far from turning away from God completely. This truth is picked up in the New Testament by James, who writes that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So it's one thing to avoid engaging with sin. But first, we need to identify what actually goes against God's commands. How do we know what's evil and what's good? Growing up, I spent many summers at my family's cabin in the Okanagan Valley. We had cleared a lot of space to run around and play. But my parents warned me that around our house, there could be poison ivy, which produces an oil that reacts with our skin to cause a very unpleasant rash. My parents taught us how to identify poison ivy so that we would stay away from it. Once or twice, we failed to see the poison ivy as we played, and we learned very quickly to pay more careful attention to where we were going. My parents identified a danger for me, and when I listened to their word, I was safe. In the same way, God identifies for us the poison ivy of sin in our own lives. God's law teaches us how to live. He's laid out his instructions that keep us safe and bring us life. And God's word reveals to us the depth of God's character. We see how good God is, and in comparison, we can begin to see why sin is so bad. The more we know the law, the more we know God. And the more we can identify sin around us, so that we can keep our distance and not experience the consequences of engaging in sin. This is why the blessed man is the one who delights in and meditates on God's word. Meditating carries the image of spending good time with God and entering deeply into God's presence. It's asking the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to see the truth of God's word. It's turning the words of God over and over in our hearts and in our minds so that they settle and become part of who we are. The blessed man doesn't seek to do what is evil because he has spent time learning just how good God is. And he's seen the heart of God in God's law. Knowing the Lord more can only be done through meditating on his word. Yet here we encounter our greatest struggle. Sin is not simply something that occurs around us. Sin is rooted in our hearts, and no one is beyond sin's poison. Our hearts are tinged with death. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? We can look into our world today and see the results of wicked hearts. We see injustice, we see arrogance, we see the brokenness of our heart's desires as we consider ourselves to be the center of attention in our lives. So what do we do? God is showing us that this psalm, with this psalm, that there's a choice to receive blessing or to walk in sin and wickedness. But how do we choose to obey God if our hearts are so twisted up 
in sin. Good news. Despite our sin and our blatant disregard for God's word, he has shown us great love and mercy. God chose to redeem us, to bring us out of sin and death, and instead to show us blessing. He's done this through Jesus. We just finished our series in Philippians where we discovered that Jesus came to earth as a man to live among us. He lived the life of perfection that we are called to live. He faced death on our behalf by dying in our place on the cross, carrying our sins with him to the grave. And he rose from the dead as victor over all things, giving us assurance that we can trust ourselves to him. And when we do, we will also be able to have victory and be conquerors of sin with him. This is good news for all of us. In Jesus, we are able to delight in God instead of in sin. When we can see the goodness of God on display through Jesus, we have good reason to delight in God's word. We find life in God's word because Jesus has shown us our heavenly father. And we can see that his heart is for us. Now we can turn to God's word for hope and blessing, even in the midst of our sin struggles. Although this psalm was written way before Jesus walked on earth, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of God. And the writer of the psalm could hang on to God's promises as he sought to obey God's law. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. It's through Jesus that we become blessed. And it's through knowing him that we are, as Psalm 1 verse 3 says, planted like streams or planted like a tree by streams of water. We've found the source of life that won't run dry. It's through Jesus that we're planted to be trees that grow strong and produce fruit. The strength of the tree in verse 3 is implied through the unwithering leaf that it produces. It has stability and deep roots that nourish the tree. Jesus promises that he came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. Thinking again of the Okanagan Valley, it's not surprising to see trees growing only alongside lakes and rivers. Anything too far from a source of life doesn't receive enough to survive. The only thing on the hills and mountains are sagebrush and the occasional cactus. The trees that survive have an abundant supply of water, despite the desert that they're in. Perhaps you view life as a desert right now. Lots of disappointment, not a lot of shelter to rest under. It's oppressive. You're beat. You need a source of hope and life. Jesus offers that to you. It's only in him that you'll ever find satisfaction and joy. Knowing God more grows from a relationship with Jesus. So we can ask, how do we maintain our sure footing and resist walking in the way of the wicked, lest we end up dry and withered? How do we grow in Jesus and remain rooted in him? How do we, unlike Jeeves here, find the spring of living water? We have to diligently focus our hearts on God's word. The blessed man 
He fills his mind with God day and night. This is a command to continually keep the Lord in our mind in all that we do. Philippians chapter 4 states that we must think on what is true and honorable and just and pure, lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. Ultimately, the Lord is all of these things and more. If we keep our focus on the Lord, all that we do will spill from our relationship with him. Hebrews encourages us the same way. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The blessed man delights in the Lord and doesn't allow himself to be tugged or pulled by the currents of the day, but by the leading of the Holy Spirit, who is making him more like Jesus. Is that you? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus? Or are you caught up trying to live day to day without your eyes on our good God? It happens to all of us. And when we realize that we're meditating on our problems or our desires or our anxieties, instead of meditating on God, he invites us to turn our eyes again to him, to look into his word and see his goodness, to remember the gospel and rest in all of his promises, to let go of trying to perform for God, and instead to give him praise for what he's already done and continues to do. As we grow into strong trees rooted in Jesus, we produce fruit of righteousness. We pursue justice and mercy. We learn to walk humbly. The gift of life that Jesus offers is for all of us, and it produces in us a heart that is good and determined to know our Lord more and more. As we know God, we show God. We live for Jesus and reveal him to a world so desperately in need. Knowing God more leads us to do the good works that he calls us to do. Our dependence on God results in a fruitful life. The fruit produced in us is an outward sign of inward change. Fruit comes from maturity. You can't plant an apple seed today and expect to find it tomorrow bearing a crop. It takes time for fruit to grow. And the fruit produced is in accordance with the health of the tree. A bad tree makes bad fruit. A good tree makes good fruit. So in Jesus, our fruit is good and useful instead of the old fruit that we produce that led to evil and death. Instead of looking like Jeeves, all pokey and dry. However, without careful attention and continual care, we can still fall prey to sin. If we're not paying careful attention to our growth, we may slip into complacency or believe that our work is somehow a means to earning God's blessing. That's a problem I sometimes have. I get the order wrong. I believe that the things I produce for God proves to him that I'm worth his love and acceptance. When in reality, he produces fruit in me because he already loves me and accepts me. We need to get that order clear in our lives. Otherwise, we will never prosper. We'll wear ourselves out because we're trying to find our source of life in ourselves. Compare that to the wicked man in verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The person who rejects God is not strong or full of fruit. Instead, he's weak and worthless. The chaff of wheat is the outside shell that comes off when a farmer is working his grain, 
The grain itself is heavy and falls down, but a light breeze blows the chaff away and it's gone. A person who rejects Jesus does not reap life because he rejects the life that is found only in Jesus. He chooses instead to pursue his own sinful pleasures, which are empty and can't sustain him. We are made to live in Jesus, and apart from him, there is no life at all. For all the time we might spend building ourselves up apart from Jesus, it comes to nothing. And the psalm ends by showing us this outcome of the man who loves God and the man who rejects God. The wicked man will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the seat, or sorry, the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The sinful man doesn't get to enter into God's blessing. God knows the way of the righteous, meaning that he sees and approves of those who follow him. In contrast, the sinful man perishes. He loses his life because he never actually had life at all. The pursuits of his life were fleeting and culminated in nothing because he did not turn to Jesus and receive the abundant life that Jesus offers. Jesus came so that we can receive real life. Jesus came to fulfill all of scripture and extend to us the only everlasting source of life. On the night before his death, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He was talking about us. He was talking about every person who would believe in him. We have eternal life through Jesus. Knowing God leads to eternal life. So I ask, do you know Jesus? Do you know the one true God? Or are you running from him? Are you following after Jesus or are you following after a Jesus you invented in your mind? How can you find the truth of who he is? God says, meditate on his word. Come to scripture. He's revealed himself in the Bible. Again, in the book of John, Jesus is called the word of God. That's a title he carries and it shows us the power he has. We meet the living word through the written word. The Bible reveals who Jesus is and the love and mercy and grace that we've received by knowing him. So if you're tuned in today, but you don't know Jesus yet, then maybe today is the day. You've heard that life without Jesus is no life at all and ultimately leads to judgment. Rejecting Jesus will result in you being rejected by him at the end of time and sent away into death forever. I urge you, to receive from God the gift of life, to believe in the power of Jesus, to be planted as a sapling so that you can grow in your knowledge and your relationship with Jesus. If you're already a believer, but you feel weak and beaten, then I gently suggest that you take inventory of where you are trying to find life. Pay careful attention to the voices you listen to, the time you spend with Jesus, and the work that you're trying to accomplish. Is it stemming from an overflow of joy that we have in Jesus? Or have you put the weight on yourself to impress God or impress the people around you? Are you trying to earn your way to God? Return to Jesus. 
Cast your burden on him. Let him remind you that his burden is light. The burden of simply knowing God and resting in him. And if you're bursting with life and can't contain your joy, then I encourage you to be a blessing to others. Share your fruit. Show the people around you the abundance of life that you have received. Give shade to the tired. Feed the hungry. Support the weak. Grow deeper into Jesus and live your calling to show the world the depth of life that you have in Jesus and the great blessing it is to know him. When we meditate on God's word, we get to know Jesus better. We get to meet with Jesus. We discover our instruction as we live for God every day. Knowing the Lord is his ultimate blessing for us. When we know God, when we are intimately aware of his love for us and his good commands, we find the true and lasting source of life. We don't turn out like Jeeves. We turn out like Jesus. I'd like to pray for us now. If you would like to receive this gift of life from Jesus, I'll pray a prayer that you can pray with me. And then afterwards, I'll pray for all of us as we go into this week and reflect the love of God. So let's pray. Pray with me if you'd like to receive the life that Jesus offers. Dear God, thank you for your mercy. I recognize my need for you. I recognize that you are the only true source of life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that I can place my trust and all of my hope in him and find real life. Jesus, please fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me each day to grow to know you more. Thank you that you are with me now, forever until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name. And Father God, for all of us who are your people, I pray that you will refresh our souls, refresh our spirits. Show us how to trust you more. Teach us your word. Give us a delight in your word. Make our delight you. Thank you for showing your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your kindness and for redeeming us and giving us deep and everlasting life. I pray that we would live our lives in light of who you are and that as we engage with the people around us, as we engage in our families, with our friends, as we think even of ourselves, I pray that we would go out with the power of Jesus to know you more, to grow in you, and to live both in the grace that you've given us and to live out the grace that you have shown us so that the world may know that we are yours and so that we may see more people entering your kingdom through your power. So Father, thank you for this morning, I pray. In your most powerful name, amen.